Welcome to the Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Woody, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Olivia Pavko Gaccia. Olivia is a second year student in our full-time MBA class of 2022, and she's also the president of the Community Consultants of Darden Student Organization. Olivia and I recently connected to talk more about her background, how she decided to pursue an MBA, what led her to Darden, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Olivia Pavko Gaccia. Olivia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, how is uh, We're recording this on a Friday. Uh, the sun is shining here in the Washington, D.C. metro. How is your day going? Oh, my day has been pretty phenomenal. I actually got the chance to uh, ride at the barracks, which is the UVA uh, club riding team location about seven minutes from Darden. So beautiful day outside on a horse. I definitely can't complain. Wow. How long have you been? I mean, is this like, I imagine equestrian stuff has been a lifelong pursuit. Is this, is this correct? It has. Uh, and I'm so lucky. Charlottesville is a great place to do it. Um, the UVA riding team is composed of folks from all ages, all backgrounds, all schools at UVA. And um, it's a really great community of people, a really great facility. So I've been trying to take advantage while I'm here in Charlottesville. I would chalk that up as one of the benefits of being in, being in Charlottesville uh, for, mm-hmm. for students. It's a little bit harder to achieve that maybe in Manhattan or Chicago or some of the, <laughs> some of these places. So um well, let's talk a little bit, little bit more about uh, about you. So glad to hear you're having having a good day. And one of the things that we always enjoy as part of these podcasts is setting the stage a little bit. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about you, your background. What did you do before coming to DART? Sure. So I was uh, born and raised in Washington D.C. I went to Yale undergrad and I studied cognitive science. Um, while I was there, I founded a company called Lab Candy, which was focused on encouraging young women and girls in STEM. Um, when I graduated, my intention was to work on Lab Candy full time, but I took a little detour, ended up working for the very end of the Obama administration in uh, 2016. I was there at the White House through January 2017. Um, when I left and I decided that I wanted to travel and teach science. So I started going to rural and underserved areas, places like Wichita, Kansas, Branson, Missouri, Ferrum, Virginia, Bronx, New York, met some really smart, really talented students. I would run these kind of science and innovation workshops. Uh, I had a student who actually asked me to start a YouTube channel so she could keep up with my life. So I did that. I started making videos in my in my backyard, and I was only a couple of videos in when a production company out in LA reached out to me. Um, and together, you know, I wrote, pitched, and then sold uh, that series that I was making on my YouTube channel to Facebook Watch at the inception of that platform. So I moved out to LA to um, you know rent a big studio and and turn it into a real series. I ended up staying out in LA for about three years, um, living my Bill Nye the Science Guy fantasies, creating educational science content, uh, mostly for women and girls across a variety of platforms. I have so many questions about what you just (laughs) shared. So we're gonna hang here for a second. 
So mm -hmm. first of all, how did you come up with the idea for Lab Candy? Lab Candy grew out of an experience that I actually had in high school. So um, in my junior year, somewhere after my junior year of high school, I was working at a lab in Stanford. I was doing a neuroscience research and I had a blog that was focused on encouraging young women and girls in science. Uh, on that blog, I posted a picture of myself wearing some uh, sparkly lab goggles that I had bedazzled. And I was flooded with comments from little girls all over the country asking me where they could get a pair. So um, that kind of sparked the idea of like, oh, there's, there's some interest here in these lab goggles. And when I got to Yale, I, I went to the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute and, and told them about this idea that I had to make these goggles. Um, I ended up joining their summer fellowship program as the youngest ever fellow at the Institute and started fleshing out the idea a little bit more. You know, it evolved from just a pair of lab goggles into a kind of kit that included a storybook about a young woman who goes on adventures and solves problems using science experiments. Um, and we ended up winning that final pitch competition at the fellowship, getting a little bit of money and, and we were off to the races. So you come out of Yale, mm -hmm. you have this entrepreneurial venture, mm -hmm. and you take a detour. Mm -hmm. You go to work for the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. How did you make that decision? I'd always been interested in working for the Obama administration because I had benefited from a lot of the work that, that their organization did. So uh, Obama had this educate to innovate campaign, which was had a couple of pillars, one of which was encouraging uh, women and girls in science. And that really set the stage for, for Lab Candy and for my venture, because every time I walked into a room, people were already thinking about this. They were already talking about this in a way that they weren't maybe five years before. Um, so I'd always kind of been intrigued at the idea. I applied initially to work for the Office of Science and Technology Policy but I was informed that it might be a conflict of interest with lab candy. And so instead they slotted me into the violence against women team where I was actually working for the vice president at the time, uh, Joe Biden. I think I've heard of him. Um, <laughs> so it's really interesting to hear your venture idea, your, your passion for women and girls in, in STEM. It feels like that's an idea that's a particular topic that's gotten a lot of traction recently. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, what was the impulse for you to say, hey, I want to help work in this space. I want to create this interest and, and push this forward. Yeah, it started for me in eighth grade, actually. Um, I, I was in an advanced science class in, in my grade school, and I was one of the only women who, who was in the class. And I was frustrated by that. You know, I come from a, from a family of feminists. And so I actually did some, I Googled women in science and I found an organization called the National Girls Collaborative Project, which, which does a lot of advocacy work around that. I reached out to the organization, ended up getting connected with the founder, Karen Peterson, who has really been a mentor for me throughout my entire life. And we're, we're still very close, but she was the one who sort of introduced me into the world of um, STEM advocacy for girls. Okay. So you work for the Obama administration and you decide to go teach science in rural or underserved areas. How does one just decide to do that? Not only decide to do that, but then goes and does that thing. That does not seem like the easiest thing to tap into. There's <laughs> big country. There's lots of places you could go and 
can you just show up and say, I'm here to teach science? Is there a group of students I can work with? Knock on doors. Some of it was through the kind of personal connections that I had built um, through my work with the National Girls Collaborative Project through Lab Candy. Some of it was also through a, a management organization. So I wrote a storybook for Lab Candy um, and got some interest from, from publishers and also from a um, management organization in LA who was interested in potentially trying to turn that storybook into an animated series. So I was already working with them sort of peripherally and um, they helped me get some stuff set up. But a lot of it was just organic, you know, people that I knew who were interested and passionate about this topic and willing to let me come and, and take a couple of days of their students' time. And what was that like to be out there with, with those students in these areas where, you know, maybe these conversations are not happening as often and these kinds of resources are not as prevalent or as available as they might be here in the places like the DC area? Yeah, you know, it was simultaneously incredible and also frustrating, right? Um, the students that I met were wonderful and, and brutally honest in the best way. You know, I definitely taught some class, classes of kindergarten students and had cheese sticks thrown at me <laughs> if I wasn't interesting enough, um, which was a great, a great way to learn how to, how to speak publicly and, and hold people's attention. But um, I think it was frustrating because I would meet these really, really talented, smart kids who had just totally been let down by the systems around them. Um, and I'm, I'm remembering in particular, I had a conversation with a young girl in, in Ferrum, Virginia, who was interested in starting a robotics club at her middle school. And she came up to me and she said, Olivia, if I start a robotics club, do you think that maybe one day we might get to travel to Richmond for a tournament? I'm like, girl, you start a robotics club, you can go all over the country, all over the world. There's so much out there. There's so much to see, right? But it just, it hadn't even occurred to her because it wasn't, wasn't in her immediate radius of, of experience and awareness. So it was, it was great, but it was definitely um, at times difficult to, to see. It does have a way of putting things in focus, making you look at something that is uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're born, the places where you've lived, like it has a lot of impact on the opportunities that can be available to you and what may be possible. It is, mm -hmm. is not a comfortable idea and not something to be particularly proud of and mm -hmm. it's unsettling. And that's, and that is what really drew me into media because I wanted to create something that I could leave behind with these young women that I was, that I was meeting, right? I wanted something that was easily accessible to them that would just expand their field of awareness a little bit. Um, I wanted them to see a female scientist who looked like them, who talked like them, who um, was interested in the same things that they were interested in, who felt accessible and real in a way that maybe their science textbook didn't. So that brings you to the sort of next thing that you were doing, developing these videos on demand. It sounds like by popular <laughs> demand, students said to you, I wanna know what you're doing. So you say, oh, I'll, I'll create a YouTube series or I'll go out mm -hmm. there and create these videos. And LA calls and says, hey, by the way, we'd love to give you a chance to do this in a more formal, produced way. I mean, is that exactly how this came together? Yeah, I, I started in my backyard with my mom as my videographer. <laughs> and 
had a lot of fun with it. Um, I was developing this original series called, uh, I called it Pop Science at the time. And the idea was I was taking moments from popular culture and investigating the science behind them. So things like, you know, Adele released her song, Set Fire to the Rain. And I tried to figure out how to make it actually rain fire in my kitchen using hand sanitizer and a complicated like um, metal rig that I had set up, right? So uh, it was very bootleg, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I did, I ended up getting in contact with a production company out in LA who specialized in, in digital content, short form digital content, um, and uh, ended up uh, developing the show further, writing a pitch, pitch against selling it to Facebook Watch. Um, and then that was the show that really encouraged me to move out to LA and, and, um, and start living there and doing it full time. Are you someone that is naturally comfortable in front of a camera? Is this something you could have imagined for yourself someday that you would be filming these short films? <laughs> Brett, I have to tell you, my first few episodes are so awkward. <laughs> I cringe looking back at it. There is something just, it is completely unnatural. I don't care who you are. It is completely unnatural to stand in the middle of a dark, silent studio with three cameras on you, a giant hot spotlight, trying to act as if you're as happy and enthused and, you know, conversational as you would be out in the real world. It's just, it is, it is definitely a learning curve. Um, but uh, after a while, you kind of, you figure it out and you get used to it. It's a, it's a practice skill like anything else. So you get out to LA and you're working on these videos. At what point do you say an MBA would make a lot of sense for me at this point? <laughs> um, for me, I reached a point where I loved what I was doing, um, but I really, I was looking for more control over my career, kind of clearer ladder to success, a little more stability. Um, and I also really loved the business aspect, the strategy aspect of the content that I was creating. So I knew I was interested in business school. Um, and when I started looking at where I wanted to go, I knew I was really interested in the case method because I wanted to be at a school where people were really invested in learning. They're invested in showing up to the classroom. The, the teachers wanted to be there. They wanted to teach. Um, and so Darden immediately was a place that, that I was really excited about. I, I also have an alum connection. My aunt, who is my hero in life, uh, graduated from Darden and actually also my uncle as well. So uh, I had that family connection, it was close to home. Um, and then I also, I was lucky enough to be the recipient of the, the Jefferson Fellowship, which really made it an, an easy decision for me. All right, I'm gonna pause here. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Jefferson Fellowship, but I wanna ask about your aunt. Uh, tell us, <laughs> why is she your hero? My aunt, her name is Luann Pafko. She actually was just back on campus a few weeks ago for a reunion at Darden. Um, I won't say which class she graduated because I don't think she would want me to, but um, uh, she's my hero because she is um, just a powerful, confident uh, businesswoman who is at the same time generous and loving with her friends and family. And I've, you know, I've looked up to her for as long as I can remember. I think there's actually a photo of um, me with both my aunt and my uncle on the steps of Darden when I was two years old, when they were graduating. 
comes full circle. You got to mm-hmm. take that photo again. Graduation. <laughs> You're so right. I know we have to recreate it. You mentioned being from a family of feminists. Um, mm-hmm. How did that shape your your upbringing? I mean, it sounds like it was formative for you. Absolutely. Um, I'm so lucky to have powerful women in my family um, and to be raised with the expectation that, uh, you know, man or woman, I'm going to try to go out into the world and, and be useful to the world in some capacity um, and, and be committed to the causes that I care about. Um, I think you asked me earlier why I'm so passionate about women in STEM. Part of it was my own experience. Another part of it was my, my grandmother who always wanted to be a doctor, but was born in the twenties where not a lot of women were, were getting their, their degrees as, as MDs. So she ended up being a nurse, but she would always tell me about that experience of, of wanting to be a doctor and being so passionate about, about the science of medicine. I think that really shaped my perspective on STEM as well. All right. Well, thank you for entertaining my slightly digressive questions about how your your upbringing has shaped who you are today. I'm just really fascinated by your, your comment about your aunt. So you are a Jefferson Fellow, and this is the season of mm-hmm. Jefferson Fellowship things. There's a lot happening for those, those uh, prospective students uh, going through that process. And I think you were just involved with a faculty panel not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, this is always a fun time because, uh, you know, the finalists come to campus and uh, we get the chance to to meet them. They get the chance to see Darden a little bit. It's been a bit different the past few years because of COVID, um, but we do still try to keep some traditions going. We recently, yeah, we did a faculty panel. I was lucky enough to be the moderator there. And we had some absolute all-stars on, on board. We had Bobby Parmar, uh, Luann Lynch, and Kinda Hatcham. Um, three professors that I've been actually lucky enough to be taught by, both, both in core and in second year during electives. So um, it was a lot of fun. And I have to say, I actually learned a lot. Finalists asked really powerful questions. I remember there's one in particular about how the professors try to structure the class during case method while still allowing flexibility for students to kind of come in and share their experiences and, and shape the conversation. And it was like, it was getting the chance to, to see behind the curtain a little bit, understand how the wizardry happens, you know? And it was incredible. They're, they're so thoughtful, um, so, so rigorous about their craft of teaching and so passionate about what they do. It was a great reminder for, for why I really love this school. What's it like to be on this side of the process, having gone through the application process and being one of the finalists and then obviously receiving the fellowship? A little bit less stressful, I will say. I remember sitting in my first case classroom, which you know, part of the, the fellowship process is that you give a case and traditionally when it's in person, um, you know, they seat all of the uh, kind of Jefferson evaluators around you, around the back of the classroom. So you're being watched as you're doing this case. And I remember just thinking, how do people do this? <laughs> this, is, this is intense, um, but it was also a lot of fun and it was an adrenaline rush. Um, and it gave me a great taste for, for what Darden was really gonna be like as a first year. Um, so yeah, a little bit, a little bit less stressful. 
Um, but I am so grateful to have been a part of the process, you know, both coming to Darden and now. And certainly there's resources out there on the website about the Jefferson Fellowship. Would you like to offer just a few thoughts on, on what this is and, and why it's so special here at the University of Virginia? Sure. So the Jefferson Fellowship is something that's not specific to Darden. It's across all of UVA. They offer a handful of um, merit-based fellowships, which cover um, not only the entirety of your tuition, but also a generous uh, living stipend and research stipend. Um, so it is a, a really incredible program. And more so than the funding, it's also a network of really invested, incredible alums um, who, who come back every year to the building to, to interact and share their experiences. It's a great research community. One of my favorite pieces of the program is that I get to go and learn about um, interesting things that are happening in other corners of the university, go to symposiums and learn about you know, research in the social science school and, and chemistry and physics. So it's been a, a really kind of essential part of my experience at Darden and I'm, I'm so, so grateful for it. You're someone who has a lot of passion for science. Mm -hmm. Is that still with you? Are you still pursuing that in some way? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm still, so I'm still um, very actively involved in the National Girls Collaborative Project, uh, that nonprofit that I mentioned earlier. Um, but also certainly through the foundation, right? Whenever I can, I love to go and listen to, especially the STEM-focused um, uh, research presentations and, and get to talk to some of the other fellows about what's happening in, you know, social sciences school, cognitive science, which is a particular passion of mine, you know, my undergraduate major. So it's been a lot of fun. Okay, so you come to Jordan, you're a Jefferson fellow, you're here, you're a first-year student, what was that adjustment like? <laughs> I wish I could say that I just floated in and everything was easy and perfect, but you know, Darden is rigorous. Um, and it's something that I actively sought out, right? I, I wanted to go to a place that was gonna push me academically. Darden certainly did that. I remember my first few weeks of, of core curriculum, um, I was spending four, you know, you were in class all day and then another four hours at night with your learning team. You didn't finish up till 11 p.m. And it was definitely intense. Um, but there is a method to the madness, right? And as time goes on, you start to get a little bit more comfortable, not just with the material, but also, you know, how to participate in a, a case method classroom, how to, you know, uh, argue your point in a way that is, convincing and not defensive, how to engage with your fellow students rather than just with the professor. Um, and things sort of become a little bit more, more natural over time. So it was a, a steep learning curve, but I will say that it left me incredibly prepared for my summer internship. I went to Bain, uh, Boston, where I'm headed back full-time after graduation. And I stepped into that context, which you know, before I came to Darden, totally non-traditional background, after a year at Darden, I stepped into Bain, Boston and felt like I was prepared for everything that was in front of me, so. It's a very profound nine months or so, give yeah, or take. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now you're in your second year. You're staying busy, undoubtedly. One of the themes of this podcast for our student interviews is first year, you're really busy with 
school and career stuff, all this stuff is happening in your first year. Second year rolls around, you're picking your classes mm-hmm. and people are somehow even busier is the thing that I start to pick up from talking <laughs> to second year students. I don't know, does that resonate with you? I mean, what, what else is on your plate, Olivia? Yeah, you know, they um, talk a lot at Darden about how um, Darden is really student run. And what that means is as a second year, there's an expectation that you're going to step up and be a part of the community and engage with the clubs and the resources here and and also be useful to the first years as they go through their recruiting process. So um, I'm involved in a couple of things on campus. Uh, My favorite of which is is Community Consultants of Darden. Uh, It's a club that I am the president of. Um, I was a a member of it as a first year, um, but now get to see it from sort of different perspective um, on the board as a second year. Okay. Well, let's talk about community consultants, Darden. It is the occasion. I reached out to you. I said, Olivia, can you come on the podcast? Love for you to talk community, talk about community consultants of Darden because we get a lot of prospective student questions mm-hmm. about this particular organization. What, what are the community consultants of Darden doing? What are the projects that they're working on? And this is really the inspiration. Obviously, we touched on a lot of other things here, but let's talk about the organization. What is this organization all about? Yeah, so Community Consultants of Darden is a club here on campus. It's actually uh, the oldest club at Darden, founded in 1957, only two years after Darden's founding. And uh, it's a club where we offer consulting services to local for-profit and non-profit businesses in the Charlottesville area. Um, it's, It's really a special group. Essentially the way it works, we have eight to 10 projects each year, each with a, which a different organization in Charlottesville. And we run the gamut from, you know, uh, I don't want to give away, we haven't revealed this year's projects yet, so I don't want to give away too much, but it'll usually include, you know, some nonprofits, um, some local retail stores, you know, places that you've probably walked by hundreds of times in the barracks or on the downtown mall. It'll include startups coming through the UVA system. Sometimes we work directly with um, Charlottesville local government or or even with UVA administration on on specific initiatives there. So there's a great diversity of work. Um, Every year we'll, we'll ask students to apply and we'll whittle that down to you know, usually get around 100 applications, whittle that down to about 50 students, um, and we'll split them into teams of five or six, place them on projects, and then they're really off to the races. We have uh, we have some kind of structure built in where, where each project has its own second year coach and also you know, it's paired with a specific board member. So there are resources there, oversight if you need it, but we really empower the first years to um, you know, go off and, and run it and run those, those client interactions and craft what they think is going to be the most powerful deliverable um, for their team. When will you reveal the new project? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun process. So what we're doing this year, we're, we're renting out a, a local brewery, which is actually a former CCOD client. And we're, we're bringing in all the first years, all the second years, some alums, some local business people. We're going to do a big reveal, walk through all the projects, um, and then kind of eat dinner and, and drink together afterwards. It'll be a lot of fun. And that, that'll probably happen um, 
actually it's coming up. It'll be uh, in the first few weeks of December. All right. Uh, gosh, not, not so far away for those who are listening. We're recording this uh, Friday in November, early mid-November or so. So just, just around the corner. Mm-hmm. So what project did you work on as a first year? Can you, can you tell us or is it only at the like, high level of detail? Yeah, no, I can, I can tell you guys. I worked with uh, Fly Dog Yoga which is actually run by a CCOD alum. So a Darden alum, a community consultants of Darden alum. So he really got it. He knew exactly what this organization does, how to best utilize our our time, how to best scope the project. And gosh, it was so much fun working with uh, an alum of a really iconic local franchise in Charlottesville. If you guys have ever visited Charlottesville, I would highly recommend going to Fly Dog and taking a class. they, they do uh, wonderful work, but uh, yeah, we worked with him and it was actually, I don't know if I can give the specifics of the project, but it was, it was related to the pandemic and some of the necessities that came out of that. And I, I think that what we did was a real value add. I've, I've seen him implement it in his business. And so it's been really rewarding to, uh, to watch it play out over the last few months. How did you decide that this was what you wanted to really get heavy into in your second year to, to be the uh, president of this organization, to spend a significant amount of time helping to develop these projects and in leading uh, community consultants of Darden? Um, community consultants of Darden was really one of the most special parts of my first year experience uh, for a couple of reasons. One, It was the first time outside of my learning team where I really got to work seriously with folks from other sections of Darden. You know, you get assigned your your little team and then you're meeting every week, sometimes multiple times a week um, in order to create something that's real, right? And it was also the first time that I was taking what I was learning in the classroom and applying it into the real world in a way that was actually going to make a difference in in somebody's life and in the life of of a local business. So that was really exciting. I also loved the opportunity to plug in with Charlottesville and plug in with this phenomenal network of alums. Like I said, CCOD has been around for a really long time. We've worked with an enormous number of companies in the area and also um, have an incredible network of, of alums who are still really passionate about their experiences with the club. So it's really fun uh, kind of getting the chance to, to learn and grow through those connections as well. Um, but I was, I was beyond honored to be elected as the president. I, to be honest, didn't really see it coming. <laughs> so, so when it did, I was, I was really excited and gosh, I have been absolutely blessed with a brilliant board. Um, this is one of those, those clubs that I, the club really is run through our VPs and we have a phenomenal group of people who are really plugged in, really passionate about what we're doing. And I'm, I'm really proud of the progress that we've made so far this year. I think our first years are going to be really excited about the projects that we bring them. Well, that's, that is great to hear. And I am not surprised. I did not know that the Community Consultants of Darden is the oldest student organization mm-hmm. at Darden. I'm not surprised, though, given the school's bounding intention mm-hmm. of focusing on practical affairs and the actual practitioners of business. It's cool to talk to faculty about mm-hmm. you know, one of the appeals of being at Darden is this is a place that is very focused on actual practitioners. Even mm-hmm. the research that, that faculty do, the consulting that they do, they 
have that focus, it makes it a bit different than, mm-hmm. than other business schools or other, other graduate level programs where they're actually curious about what this looks like in the real world and, and developing solutions for actual practitioners. Yeah. And, and it also makes sense with, with Darden's broader mission of, you know, find your why, right? That, that's the story that's always told to us as first years. Why are you doing something? You know, you're not just recruiting because you're recruiting, you're recruiting because you want to make some sort of a positive impact on the world. And um, that's a huge part of CCOD's mission as well. We want to make a positive impact in our community. How do you feel like this experience has contributed to enhanced your, your student experience? Oh, so much so. I, um, I think that, first of all, it's given me the opportunity to um, have some really hard and interesting conversations. Um, we had a great conversation this year about uh, CCOD's admissions process and um, the way that we think about diversity in that context um, and the mechanisms that we have in place in order to make sure that we're selecting the strongest, most representative of Darden class. Um, and, so, and that's a conversation that I would have never had if I hadn't been a part of this organization on the board, you know, trying to, trying to make a difference. So it's been incredibly important part of my experience and also given me the chance to work with some really great folks. So uh, I, I selfishly really enjoy that. Well, one of the things you will sometimes hear from our second year leaders here on the podcast is that the opportunity to lead a club and organization is a chance to practice those things that they're learning yeah. in class. And to your point about having an impact and applying the things that you're learning as part of these projects that Community Consultants of Darden works on sounds like perhaps leadership is also a way to apply some of the things you're learning in class. Absolutely. Yeah, we had um, one of my favorite courses from Q1 this year is is a class by Sean Martin um, titled Leadership Learning Lab, in which um, uh, they kind of gathered together all of Darden's club presidents, and we do a course on on leadership at Darden, but also just kind of beyond Darden and and life. And um, it was a really powerful window into some of my own failings as a leader, ways that I could improve. And and also just a a great opportunity to talk to other people who are in similar positions, who are struggling with some of the same things that that I was. Um, We ended up being a really great resource network. Um, So yeah, it's it's been a great, practical learning experience for sure. Well, I have to ask, you know, we started off talking about uh, venture that uh, dreamt up and pursued. Is that something that's still with you, uh, this idea of launching your own thing or doing your own thing? Uh, <laughs> where, where does that stand? Maybe maybe one day. Um, my, my goal for the immediate, immediate future is just to go to Bain and do a really good job there and um, make a difference there and, and, and be plugged in there. And, um, you know, we'll sort of, we'll see. I think there's a part of me that could go there and, and really enjoy it and stay forever. And, and then there's, you know, another part of me that's like, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be a shorter thing. Maybe I'll dip back into the world of startups. 
maybe I'll, I'll dip into the world of venture capital. I don't, I don't know. Um, but at this point, I'm just trying to uh, kind of focus on what's in front of me and, and focus on surrounding myself with smart people who are doing interesting things, um, which I think you can definitely find uh, certainly um, at, at Bain and our Boston office and, and also certainly at Darden. Yeah, I was about to say, no shortage of interesting people here at the Darden School of Business. It's one of the biggest challenges we have with this podcast. We mm. publish on a weekly basis and there's, well, 335 students per class. There's all the faculty and staff. It feels mm. like, you know, you could basically have two conversations a day for the next two plus years and probably not talk to everybody you were, you were hoping to talk to if uh, the parameters are interesting people. So, um well, I'm honored. I'm honored to to uh, to be here talking with you, Brett. And I will say, I'm very spoiled because I get to walk the halls of Darden and go to all the coffees and meet all these people and have these conversations every day in real life. So I'm very spoiled. <laughs> well, Livia, I wonder what you're looking forward to in the in the months ahead. I'm sure you have a lot on the on the books. What am I looking forward to? Um, well, first of all, most pressing order of business, we've got the UVA Notre Dame game coming up tomorrow, <laughs> which is a big deal. And we're all getting ready um, uh, for the tailgate. Um, I think we've got a couple Darden clubs who are, who are actually sponsoring the tailgate. So it'll be a great community event. Beyond that, uh, you know, I'm really enjoying my classes this quarter. I loved core and I, I got a lot out of it academically, but there's something so special about being able to pick your classes second year and really focus in on, on things that you're interested in, the areas you're interested in growing in, the professors that you really wanna work with. Um, I've got an absolutely great lineup um, this quarter. And so I'm interested in kind of digging into that, staying involved in that. Um, one of my favorite classes, speaking of hands-on learning, is uh, this class called Seed Funds. Um, you apply to it over the, the summer in between your first and second year. And um, when you join, you essentially get to be an auxiliary member of the UVA Licensing and Ventures Group. So you sit in on um, every kind of venture pitch and work on the diligences and think about, you know, what are the companies that, that maybe you want to invest in? That's been a, a really new and exciting world for me. So uh, I have a couple of, of company pitches coming up that, that I've been doing a little work on and I'm, I'm excited to see as well. All right. Well, that, that's really cool. The seed fund has come up in some of our prior conversations with students. Mm -hmm. I think there's an EVC, Entrepreneurship and Venture Capital Club, conversation or two where the students reference being in, involved with that on mm -hmm. the due diligence side and how helpful that was to, to hear and kind of think about how people view these kinds of opportunities and how they're evaluated. Sort of the flip, if you're pitching someone, this is the, this is the other, other end of things, perhaps. Absolutely. It's really exciting. I, I've had a lot of experience on one side of the table as an entrepreneur, so it's cool to get to sit on the other side of the table and, and uh, experience that perspective. Well, Olivia, we've, we've covered a lot, of, a lot of ground here. We've talked about your, your venture, talked about Lab Candy, how you ended up at Darden, the Jefferson Scholarship, Jefferson Fellowship process, and what that entails, 
how things are going with the community consultants of Dar. And I wonder if you have any final words of wisdom, piece of advice you'd want to share with our listeners. Final words of wisdom. Well, I certainly don't have it all figured out, but um, kind of practical advice. You know, Darden is such a special experience, um, a really whirlwind experience, not just academically, but also, um, you know, you spend a lot of time your second year thinking about personal growth and thinking about the things that you really care about. I'm in this great course right now called Character Traits, where every class we read a different kind of seminal text and discuss what we think are important virtues that we can pull from that text. Um, and what I'm getting at here is Darden is really a place where you come and learn and grow both as a, you know, a student, but, but also as a person. And so when you're coming into Darden, I would take the time to try to do a little bit of pre-work <laughs> I know you're probably busy enjoying a little bit of time off before diving back into school, but if you can, um, you know, engage with some of the resources that Darden has online around, um, you know, CDY, some of the books that Darden recommends, like designing your life, setting the stage a little bit for the things that you care about, maybe the types of things you're interested in recruiting in, but, but also the types of activities that you're interested in engaging in once you get to campus. Doing that work in advance will really put you in a good place when you when you set foot here because um, it is such a whirlwind and there's so much going on. Uh, you kind of want to have a, a clear true north um, when you come to campus. That's great advice. It resonates a lot with what's been covered here on the podcast. Previously, one of the near constant sentiments is limited amount of time. Things move <laughs> very, very quickly. And there's... a wealth of opportunity. You can go in any number of directions. So the more time you could spend reflecting, thinking mm -hmm. about what you're passionate about, what you want to do, and put in that time prior to matriculation, it allows mm -hmm. you to maybe cut through some of that, you know, stay open to opportunity, certainly recognize that there's going to be self-discovery and things are going to spark for you that you may not know about at this time. It always happens, but it can help you navigate uh, things when you get really busy and you have a lot of competing priorities and really kind of figuring out what's most important. That self-reflection is critical. Absolutely. Well, Olivia, thank you again for coming on the podcast and congratulations on all the things that are happening in your second year. We'll have to have you come back when the Community Consultants of Darden projects are finally revealed, but it's been great to hear more about your story and uh, good luck in the months ahead. Thank you so much, Brett. It's, it's been a real pleasure. And that was my interview with Olivia Pavko Gotcha, a second year student in our full-time MBA class of 2022. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.